Welcome to Lake Learns Together. I'm your host, Jake Broadway. And on today's episode, we're going to shift gears just a little bit. And we're going to be talking with Kelly Dodd, our instructional materials manager, about the importance of relationships with students. Kelly's going to share a story with us about a teacher that really influenced her passion for science. And then she'll explain how that relationship affected her as she became a classroom teacher years later. So let's get right to it. Okay, so I don't know if you knew this about me, Jake, but I was a bit of a science nerd. <laughs> was? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still, I guess I, I guess I still kind of am, but yeah. like total science nerd in high school. And, um, you know, so I used to do science projects. Shocker. Yeah. And I had this science teacher. His name was Mr. Montez. And he was also the physics teacher in our high school. I came from a small hometown in Cocoa. And Mr. Montez, he was a pretty amazing teacher. Like, he used to um, make all of our our problems in physics themed around the Toy Story movie. Straight oh, up. Wow. Yeah. Pretty cool guy, right? Takes a lot of work. So it was, like, how fast and, like, with what acceleration Woody was going down the banister and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was a pretty amazing guy, but Mr. Montez was our uh, advisor for science fair and science research. Um, and anyway, I was pretty obsessed with my science project back in high school. And I used to want to come back to school after school hours, but school was not open. Right. So I fixed that problem. <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> I would stuff the door jam, you know, like the where the door engages, like the in locks I yeah. would stuff the door jam with toilet paper <laughs> so that it wouldn't engage so I could come back and work on my science project after hours and get back into the building to do that wow um yeah that was commitment um Mr. Montez though pretty soon like I think maybe three or four times was on to me and like figured out what was going on because when he would pull the door shut you wouldn't hear the click that yeah. you hear when you <laughs> and realized who was coming back to campus and he was he was like hey you know, Kelly, if you if you really want to work on your science project, I could stay late a couple of nights a week, and you could probably work on that while I'm doing stuff and getting ready for school the next right. day. Um, so I started doing that, and uh, it was it was really amazing the amount of work I could get done and what I was able to do with that science project. Those science projects, it was more than one year. That's why I say those. I wasn't mm-hmm. doing like multiple ones at once. That would be really cool though. <laughs> um, but those science projects, they like I won third place and the International Science Fair one year. I won first place at the State Science Fair. Um, I got best of show at the regional. I um, had scholarships. I was able to do so many things through science research um, because I had this guy, this advisor, this teacher, who believed in me and let me do these things that I was super passionate about, let let me on campus. um, To do those things and let me, and uh, just kind of believed in me. He also like helped me get a much cooler board than like the little cardboard one I had. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? I did. <laughs> I had like the little cardboard board and that was great, except it didn't fit like, but maybe a 10th of what I needed to on the board. <laughs> so he was able to really connect me with people that were able to help me out too. And then also programs like the student science training program was a program that the university of Florida offers. Um, and I was able to go up to the university of Florida as a junior in high school and stay on campus one summer in Beatty towers and take a UF class and work in the nuclear reactor facility on campus wow. for a whole summer. And then also the SHARP program, which was a, uh, a program with um, NASA, where I was able to go to NASA and work with uh, different engineers out there. Just That's so cool. many cool outlets and, mm-hmm. and resources that he was able to connect me with. So I went to space camp. 
Did you? I'm so jealous. I always wanted to go to space camp. That is something I can say I did not do. Um, But I can say my first job was NASA um, because of that SHARP program. It was the summer high school research apprenticeship program. Mm -hmm. I think I might might have gotten that out of order. But you get the point. Where's the want, want, want? (laughs) It's not working. (laughs) But it it was an apprenticeship research program. And I got to work in an electrical analysis laboratory and it was really cool um and that's uh, a big part of my uh just cool adventures as a high school student yeah. thanks to mr montez um but what i did not mention about that is that i like a lot of that that whole time in high school was awkward for me and hard because my home life was kind of tricky yeah. so that was also a huge escape for me mm-hmm. from my home life um, and it allowed me to have a positive outlet when I could have been really getting myself into a lot of trouble and yeah. I could have been doing things that were not so positive for myself um, and wouldn't have led to college, wouldn't mm-hmm. have led to a career and um, so many other things that I, I'm doing today that I'm so thankful that I'm doing today instead. Yeah. Um, so he's definitely one of those people that I look back in my life and I'm like, oh, thank God for Mr. Montez. Thank goodness for a positive teacher um, influence in my life. Um, thank, I'm thankful for that relationship that was invested in me as a student. Um, so, so shifting gears when I was in college, I was like, Oh, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to do, it's going to be great. I'm especially a chemical engineer. And like I spent the first couple years at UF and the chemical world and in chemistry. And then I realized I never saw outside of the lab and I was like, Oh, I cannot do this forever. And then I ended up doing education after a couple years um, and I think my, my dad was kind of like, what are you doing? And I just remember thinking, I really would love to be a teacher one day. I'd really like to see and be a part of that passion. Um, I'd like to be the influencer of Mr. Like Mr. Montez was for me. Yeah. Um, and I just really wanted to be a part of those aha moments. Just so many things about teaching was like, I just really wanted to be that and to do that. And, and um, I was really pumped about switching actually. Um, and when I did, um, I was hoping that one day I'd have a moment like that with a kid mm-hmm. in my classroom, um, like he did with me. And um, I, it came for me when I was, I think I was in my sixth year of teaching and I was actually teaching in a third grade classroom. And third grade is like the worst year for teaching as far as stress. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a great year. It's just a really hard year for stress. You know, like I think the kids are at like the perfect age of like um, as far as they're not, they don't know everything yet. But they're not like the, they're not like the, um, I'm losing my, t- my front teeth and, you know, all <laughs> those things are going on at the same time. Um, but third grade is a, was a year that I was teaching. I was at Grassy Lake Elementary. Great school, by the way. Shameless plug. Um, so I was at Grassy Lake third grade and I had this girl in my class. I'm going to call her Abby. And Abby was a very, um, sweet, sweet, soft spoken girl. Like she was very small in stature. Um, and, uh, she came into my classroom and like, she wouldn't talk. She didn't talk for Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, first forever. And like, I'd call on her in class and like, she would answer the question. And most of us would not like really hear her. Like I would (laughs) can you speak up a little bit, Abby? Or like a nice and loud so everyone can hear you, Abby. And uh, we just loved her, but she was very soft-spoken. But she had what she didn't have, you know, she had a very small voice, but she had a huge heart. Mm -hmm. You know, like she would leave me like these really really, um, cute little handwritten notes on my desk. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, I'd come back to my desk and I would see like these little notes from Abby. It was really sweet. Um, And she, I knew she had a really big heart. And she, um, one thing about Abby is that she struggled with mm-hmm. reading comprehension. That was something that was really 
not natural to her. She would have to work hard at it, but she would get easily frustrated with herself, yeah. especially. She was very hard on herself. Um, so I, there was a lady named Mrs. Pevick that would work with me, um, and she would come into my classroom during reading time, and she'd push in, and she'd work with a small group, and Abby was in her group, so Abby kind of got to work with both of us, so mm-hmm. it was kind of nice, um, but she got to work with Miss Pevick too. Uh, so fast forward, so it's, you know, a little ways through the school year and Abby comes to me one day and she tells me that she, um, has bad news. And so I come over to her and I'm talking to her about it. And she's telling me that her grandmother had just been diagnosed with cancer. Um, and she and her family, like there's eight of them, like it's Mm -hmm. a big family. Yeah. She had a little sister, um, who's actually bigger than her. Not, she wasn't large. She just was. Um, like I said, Abby was kind of small and her sister was just physically a little larger and only one year younger. So Mm. anyone looking at them would think that her little sister was actually older already. Right. And then the eight of them were living in a trailer nearby campus with their grandma who has cancer. Um, and they were putting all of their money that they were making towards her grandma's treatments, um, ends up, they were being evicted because of the fact they were not able to pay rent. Yeah. Um, and I was just heartbroken because, so she's going to be living in this motel off of, you know, Orange County. And I'm thinking, what does this even mean for this, this little girl? You know, all of her friends, you know, her neighborhood, her school, her, her, her whole life is here. And she's getting uprooted from that. And I said, you know, how soon? What are we talking about? And she said, by Christmas. You know, so we're getting really close to Christmas at this point. Um, and she's having to move, but she's very clear that she's like, Oh, mom's still going to take me. It's going to be fine. Mom's going to take me. But yeah. I mean, a couple of weeks into this move and we're realizing that mom's not going to be able to take her. Right. It's too hard on schedules and gas is expensive when you're living, you know, you know, and used to taking the bus and now you're having to transport these kids and there's a, you know, a few of them. And mm. so she's having to transfer to a different school and it's just very hard making that transition. So, um, the kids in our, our class are starting to miss her. You know, she's a part of our class, you know, yeah. Mrs. Pevick and I are missing her. Um, so we're making trips out to her. We're taking her, um, we were taking the family hungry Howie's pizza. I mean, who doesn't love hungry Howie's, right? Is that like Howie bread? <laughs> Have you had Howie bread? Oh yeah. Oh, so good. Right. <laughs> Um, and bringing her some books to read because we're wondering, like, are they taking care of her over there? What is this? I don't even know this new school. I haven't talked to her teacher. You know, like, is she is she getting ready for that test? It's a retention year. What is this even looking like? And I'm worried because, let's be honest, every third grade teacher in the state of Florida is worried about whether or not their kids are going to pass that test. Right. I'm especially worried because I know that she has a, a younger sister who is larger than her and she probably doesn't want to be in the same grade as her little sister. Yeah. Let's be honest, yeah. right? She wants to pass. She doesn't want that, right? And I don't want that for her. I want her to be successful, not just for this test, but in life. I want her to have confidence. I want her to feel good about herself. I want her to feel valued and so many other things. And I don't want her to, to find her value based on this test to begin with. So all of these things are going through in my head, and I just want her to be prepared. And I'm wondering about how this is going to impact that test and impact her life and impact so many things. Um, so we're visiting her, and the class is asking about her. And they came up with the idea one afternoon that they wanted to adopt her family for Christmas. How cool. That is cool. So they did. And like, they're bringing in these gifts for the entire family, all of her siblings, even her parents, even her parents, right? That's great. Which I thought was cool too. Like who thinks, you know, like they're like, yeah, let's think of her parents too. 
So they're doing all of these things. They're bringing in all these gifts. Um, and we go out and we bring them to the family just before Christmas. And it was rough. I mean, these, these people are sleeping on mattresses in this one-bedroom um, motel room on the floor. You know, they're sharing mattresses. And it's, mm-hmm. you can tell it's a rough situation. And you're just hoping that they're going to get back on their feet sooner than later. Um, and in the process, we're just continuing to push into their life and just hoping to see them back to normal sooner than later. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness, you know, and a, f- a few weeks have passed. Once a few weeks pass, um, you know, it ends up being, I think it was like maybe over the span of a month and a half, two months, they're back in Claremont. So oh, we're really? talking like, you know, end of January or early February, they end up back. Um, and I go running downstairs to the principal's office and I'm saying, make sure that she's in my room. Cause there's eight teachers on our team. Yeah. So she could technically be assigned to any teacher. And All I'm right. like, she is mine. I'm claiming her. She's in our classroom. She belongs here. This is her home. Mm-hmm. And she walks into our room and she knows that she is home. This is where she belongs. Yeah. She is. She had the warmest welcome. Everyone is so excited to see her. Yeah. Um, and she comes in and just people are pumped about her return. Um, and we are all engaged with her and just very excited. Once um, she returned, Jake, uh, you've never seen someone work so hard <laughs> in a classroom as she did. Really? Yeah, as she prepared and just spent the rest of the year with us. And I think um, I was just really surprised because, I mean, she just, I think there's something about when a, when a student really knows really knows and understands that a teacher legitimately cares about them mm-hmm. beyond just like you're a student in my classroom. I'm paid to be here. I'm paid to teach you. I'm paid to care about you. But like actually saw that we spent the time to come out and visit her and be a part of her life and her family and to see her world. She knew that we genuinely cared enough to show up in her life mm-hmm. beyond the walls of our classroom. Yeah. Um, so she, she cared enough to, to come back and, and work hard for, you know, for us in the classroom as well. And she just worked really hard. Um, so that was amazing to me went to watch that and just see that unfold. So, um, so I just, you know, when she came back, there wasn't anyone more willing to try to do and to give. And I have no doubt that her motivation to work came from her knowledge that we cared for her and it was not her score. It was her. We wanted her to be successful. We wanted her to be able to read and to comprehend. We wanted her to feel confident. We wanted her to fall in love with books. It was so much more than a test. But I must admit that when those test scores came in, um, you, you can believe that the first uh, the first name that I looked for was hers. Yeah. And there wasn't a score that I celebrated more on any FCAT, or now it would be FSA, right? Right. Uh, than her passing score. And she did pass. And we were oh, really great. excited for her. Um, and even today, like I've, I still kept in contact with Abby. She's 19 now. Um, and I will never forget her. She's forever shaped and changed me as a teacher. And perhaps what she's taught me most was how hard a student will work for a teacher once they know that, um, that we care about them. Right. Um, when you build a relationship with a student, you are building a foundation for teaching and learning in your classroom. And I know that, um, that uh, Rachel Adams is actually going to do a podcast soon with you, Jake. And, uh, and I know that she's going to be talking about tips for building relationships. And I just know how valuable they are because I've seen it in my own life. And I'm now I've seen it as a teacher too. Yeah. And there's nothing more valuable, I think, and nothing more foundational than building relationships in classrooms. Well, thank you for sharing your story. Kayla. Absolutely. Absolutely. She came back into our room with the warmest welcome you can imagine. Everyone was thrilled to have her back. She was missed. She knew her value. She knew she was home. 
In the short time that we had left to prepare for the test, that child worked harder than any student in my classroom. There wasn't anyone more willing to try, to do, and to give. I had no doubt that her motivation to work hard came from her knowledge that we cared for her, not her score, her. We wanted her to be successful. We wanted her to be able to read and to comprehend. We wanted her to feel confident and to be able to fall in love with a book. It was so much more than a test. But I must admit that when the test scores did come in, you can bet that the first name I looked for was hers. And there wasn't a score I've celebrated more than her passing that FCAT.